You're listening to the World Watch weekly podcast by Open Doors Canada. The goal of this podcast is to help you pray for your persecuted family. Since 1955, when Brother Andrew went behind the Iron Curtain for the first time, Open Doors has been strengthening Christians where faith costs the most. For more information about Open Doors Canada or about the World Watch List, please visit our website at opendoorscanada.org. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to the World Watch Weekly Podcast. I'm Andrew, and with me today is Jared. And today, we are excited to talk to you about the country of Bhutan. Yeah, Bhutan is a tiny little landlocked country in Southeast Asia, landlocked in the Himalayas, bordered by China and India. And so, the first thing that you got to understand about Bhutan and, and why its culture is what it is, is because it's this small little place nestled between two superpowers. And so, so much of its culture is centered around making sure that they are their own nation. And we'll get to why that matters for Christianity in a bit. But uh, I had to look up a couple things about Bhutan because I don't really know much about the country. So, um, a little little bit about uh, the nation itself. Uh, its official language is called Jhanka. And its capital city is called Thimphu. I'd never heard of either of those. And if you're sitting down for a meal in Bhutan, you might enjoy a dish of rice or buckwheat or a soup that might have hot chilies and vegetables and a variety of different meats. Uh, You might even see an archery competition, which is a popular sport and pastime there. But Andrew, my favorite thing that I learned about Bhutan is that its actual official name in Bhutanese is Drukyul which translates to the land of the thunder dragon. And I love that. I think every country should be some variation of the land of the thunder dragon. I think Canada should be... The land of the raving beaver. The land of the snow moose. The land of the snow moose. Yes. I I just love that. So we'll call it Bhutan, but I, I think we should just, in our minds, refer to it as the land of the thunder dragon. Well, the land of the thunder dragon, Bhutan, is number 43 on the world watch list. And so Buddhism is the state religion and citizens are just assumed to be Buddhist. But because of Bhutan's isolation, as, as Jared mentioned, being you know surrounded by these two superpowers, its culture is so deeply entrenched that the expectation is that people remain as part of the culture. And that culture means you're supposed to be Buddhist. So there is no officially recognized Christian church. So any gathering of Christians is illegal. So it's so important to remain a Buddhist in Bhutan because they're so committed to holding on to their culture. And so when someone converts to Christianity... It's met with suspicion. It's met with so much pressure from government, from family, from society, all these different ways that a Christian is pressured to convert back to Buddhism and be part of Bhutanese society. Religious leaders, the local community, family, they all cooperate in this. Along with, you know, it being illegal to worship together in the country, local authorities often refuse to issue Christians what's called a non-objection certificate, which is needed for loan applications, registering property, applying for jobs, and renewing their ID cards. 
Now, government officials will do whatever is necessary to preserve the country's Buddhist heritage. Many officials are heavily influenced by Buddhist monks, and there is a long-standing practice of monks working in and for the government. Mm-hmm. Particularly in rural areas, uh, Buddhist monks will be opposing the presence of Christians, and in general, local authorities and officials overlook this opposition. You see, technically, in government, uh, in the constitution of, of Bhutan, religious freedom is allowed. But because Buddhism is so ingrained in the daily life in Bhutan, anyone who leaves Buddhism to follow Jesus uh, is viewed with suspicion by their neighbors, friends, and even their immediate family. Uh, and the conversion will bring shame upon the family so often that family members will go to great lengths to bring that convert back to uh, his or her original faith. And if everything fails, converts' families will disown them. Now, because life in Bhutan is still, it's a very communal society, and the proximity and protection of the family are important, being disowned from a family is a significant form of persecution against converts. There's very little violence in Bhutan, but pressure is so enormous that that is where the persecution comes from. So it's an interesting point you bring up, Jared. Many people think that persecution means violence, but you just said that, I mean, this country is 43 on the world watch list. That means we do, it has a high level of persecution. And yet there's not a lot of violence. It's a lot of pressure. And so why does, why is pressure, how does pressure become persecution? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Now I'll start actually by going back and to the difference between violence and pressure. And we've talked before on the podcast about persecution scores. And the way that works is that Open Doors scores each country in six categories of persecution. One category is violence. The other five are all types of pressure. Pressure is actually the biggest source of persecution in a lot of these countries. And violence only forms a part of it. And imagine if you are a Christian Uh, As we're talking about in a culture like this where uh, a particular religion is expected, uh, if not demanded of you, uh, where your family is is part of this particular religion, where all of your friends, your community, education, workplace, all has these expectations and you choose to go against that. And all of these spheres of life then come together to pressure you into conforming to the societal expectations. And... Because you're not uh, a Buddhist in this case, and you don't conform to what the expectation of everyone is, you might lose out on job opportunities, you might lose out on uh, on relationships, on friendships. Sometimes you're not even considered a citizen, and so you might lack access to uh, healthcare or or other sort of government government assistance programs, uh, housing, whatever it might be, because you are an outlier from society. And now everything I just said um, can be related to many, many countries, not just Bhutan, and it's specific to each each location. But when we think of persecution, like you say, Andrew, even if violence is what comes to mind right away, that only forms part of what it looks like to be persecuted for one's faith. Mm-hmm. Violence is the, is the, is the smash mm-hmm. of persecution but but pressure is that squeeze and yeah, that it's the, the squeeze. it's the 
daily squeezing in your life and, and, and that you're no longer able to function normally because of that pressure. And so as Jared mentioned, like, you know, if, if you can no longer get a job, so you can't provide for your family, well, getting, getting beat up for your faith is persecution, but, but being refused a job or refused the opportunity to provide for your family and because of your faith is also persecution. And, and so uh, the squeeze really makes a difference. Uh, and, and really th- that pressure is just so overwhelming. Uh, it can often turn people back to their old faith because they can't live with the constant pressure that they are put under. I think that, that what we've been talking about with Bhutan could really be illustrated by a story, Jared. Well, this is the story of Miriam. And Miriam was born and brought up in a traditional Bhutanese Buddhist family. She's the oldest of seven siblings, and she was raised to please the deities that her family's ancestors had worshipped and to do all of the cultural and traditional practices that her and her Buddhist family considered so important. And she says, After becoming a Christian myself, I came to realize that we were wrong in so many things. It was like coming out of the darkness and being able to see again. Our parents would tell us that if we didn't do these rituals and our practices, we would fall sick. If any ill befell the family, it was because we had not appeased the deities and our gods. Now Miriam's parents died when she was young, leaving her to take care of her six younger siblings. And she was responsible for organizing what's called the yearly puja. Now that is an important festival that each family observes to ward off uh, bad omens and to ensure the well-being of family members and their livestock and livelihood. And so every year there would be uh, praying and offerings and feasting and dancing, uh, and the family would invite the entire community to celebrate, and the monks would come to chant prayers and perform rituals. And so Miriam was in charge of this, uh, and she would be cooking for everyone and, and providing tea and lunch and all of these things to appease the deities so that her family would be safe. And she started to realize that something was not right. Miriam didn't have peace doing this. And one day, out of curiosity, she attended a local Christian fellowship. She didn't know what to expect, but she knew that it was different from the rituals and practices she'd been doing before. Miriam has this to say, I did not go looking for Jesus, but one day, when I actually went and attended a service that was happening, when I heard the sermon that was being preached, I realized that so far I've been living my life in darkness. In my previous faith, we were taught that to be reborn as a human being, it would take me hundreds and thousands of years. And to have that, I would have to pass through the cycle of rebirth, being born as an insect, even the smallest insect. And it would take me so many rebirths to be born into a human form again. But after I became a Christian, I began to understand that even while we're still alive, we can live happily. And even when we die and go, there is eternal life for us. This was a big eye-opener. Miriam remembers the day that she accepted Jesus as her Savior, and the light of Christ came into her life, and the previous darkness fled. She says, When I heard about Jesus, it was like removing the blindfold from our eyes, and that's when I came to know that the truth is something else. Now, the cost of accepting Jesus as her Lord and Savior has been high. You know, for a tight-knit family and community where religion is deeply interwoven with all aspects of life, uh, this change in faith is seen as disloyal. 
So Miriam's family and community were not happy. Uh, her family was ashamed that she had converted to Christianity, and there was pressure from the community, which made life difficult for Miriam and her family. Not only was Miriam treated like an outsider, but her siblings were affected too. She had little choice but to leave her family and her village and move into the city. For a young girl, it was a giant leap of faith. She says this, It's not very easy to become a Christian, especially with the kind of rigorous pressure from the family and the community. You know, you are always being left out by your family and community, but because of my faith in Christ, I am willing to endure all of this and still continue in my faith. And this is also what I have decided, to walk alone. Now, thankfully, God blessed Miriam with a Christian husband and they started a family. But when Miriam has gone back to visit her siblings, the accusations of the villagers have continued. I pretend not to hear what they say. They continue to say those things even now. They accuse me of leaving my own faith and my culture, my traditions, and say I follow a foreign faith. Miriam's story is one that's shared by a lot of Christians in Bhutan, where they choose to follow Jesus despite the enormous cost to their livelihood, to their social life, to their relationships, and to their family. But they know it's worth it because of the promise of life that they have in Christ. We're going to take a few minutes and pray for Miriam, for other Christians in Bhutan, uh, and that the church would be able to thrive there uh, amidst all the persecution. So the first way that you can pray along with us uh, is simply that the Christians in Bhutan will remain true and strong in their faith in the face of Buddhism's strong influence in the country. And of course, we want to pray for Miriam and for her husband, who is an Open Doors partner uh, in the country, providing training and discipleship to other believers. And pray also for the gatherings of Christians that are constantly monitored by authorities who hinder or even prevent these gatherings. Ask God to give the believers wisdom to know how to respond and that he would soften the hearts of the authorities to allow Christians to worship freely. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Bhutan. We thank you for the church there, God, and we ask that you would strengthen them today. God, you know the pressure that each Christian faces from their community and from their family, if their family doesn't know you. God, you know that that pressure, God, and and it's an extreme pressure against them, God. I pray that, God, as that pressure comes, God, may you strengthen them and may you reinforce them with your presence and your strength that they'd be able to withstand the pressure, Father God, that they'd be able to keep focused on you. God, we ask that you would be with Miriam and her husband. God, as they uh, serve you in the country of Bhutan, may you strengthen them and encourage them. God, may you uh, empower them to expand their influence and their work. God, and may they uh, strengthen and disciple other believers and may they reach others with the good news of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would bless their family. God, that you would make your face shine upon them, God, and give them your peace. Father God, we pray today that you would strengthen churches there, God, as they're monitored by authorities, told that they're illegal. God, I just pray that you would help churches to find ways to meet together, be with leaders, give them wisdom and direction. God, help them to strengthen one another, to encourage one another, to to spur one another on, God, towards love and good deeds, as your word says in Hebrews. God, we pray that you would strengthen them today. God, we ask for those who are 
really spearheading the persecution. God, may you soften the hearts of persecutors, God, and may you draw them to yourself, God, that the, there would be a a change in the spiritual realm in Bhutan, God, that that uh, many more would come to acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. God, we ask that you would do these things in your name. Amen. Well, thank you so much, as always, for joining us for the podcast. You can learn more about Bhutan, about Open Doors, and about global persecution at opendoorscanada.org. Don't forget to always share, subscribe to, and like the podcast. It helps us out a lot. We'll see you again next week. Till then, God bless. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find more ways to pray for your persecuted family on our website at opendoorscanada.org or follow us on social media at Open Doors Canada.